Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast with Ben Cordes, pastor of Lexington Primitive Baptist Church. This is Ben Cordes, and thanks for joining me on the latest Abundant Life podcast, where I try to encourage listeners to live in response to Jesus Christ's amazing grace. I have a question for you today. Have you ever thought of meekness as a desirable character trait? When is the last time you thought to yourself, perhaps I should be living more meekly? Maybe behavior in meekness is something we haven't considered But I think too often we misunderstand what meekness is and what the word meek means. It's good for us to go and find a good definition of the word meek. And so we find that meek means to be mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked or irritated. In a more evangelical sense, it means to be humble, and submissive to God's divine will, not proud, self-sufficient, or refractory, not apt to complain. When we think of submission to God, do we also think about how we are to submit to God's authority and how it is that we're supposed to submit to God's word? When we think about submission to God, do we think about the people whom God has set up that we are to be submissive to? We consider the fact that the Word of God tells us to be submissive to people in authority over us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13-17 through 17 say, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. But as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The scripture tells us here that we have a responsibility to God to also submit to those whom he has set up as supreme over us in reference to kings or governors, uh, those who are in authority. And, of course, we know this is in the earthly walk of, of the realm of men and not as if they are some heavenly authority over us. We know that the Spirit judgeth in all things, uh, yet that we know that we have a re- real place here in this earth, a reality that we must also live in for now as we pilgrim through this world. So submission to the authorities whom God has given is also important. Did you notice in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. This is interesting, for many times we have submitted to authorities over us. Have we thought about we're doing this perhaps not for our sakes, but for the Lord's sake? And sometimes it may seem unreasonable for us to comply with something, an order, an ordinance of some sort. But remember, 
unless it violates God's scripture blatantly, unless it is that it's clear this is something that God would not have me to do, if it's simply just a disagreement or something that it's hard for us to do, yet it's not a sin for us to do, uh, we ought to be able to submit to such an ordinance for the Lord's sake. Now, what does meekness have to do with this? Well, submission is a part of meekness. And to submit is not a weak thing. Not at all cases, at least. Meekness is not weakness. And too often it's accounted as being weakness. It takes much strength to deny self, and it takes great self-control to keep the passions of this mortal flesh of this body that we're in, of this mind that we possess, to keep the passions of anger and fear and pride under subjection. It's no easy task. It takes great strength, self-control, to do such. And I tell you that it's because you possess meekness that you're able to do this. It's because we are made to be meek people in Christ. The Bible describes at least two major figures of the Bible as being meek. First of all, we read of Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, we read this statement that says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. He demonstrated his meekness through great restraint and patience when dealing with the matters of the children of Israel, while especially in the wilderness. He submitted to God and was blessed to have a sweet friendship with God as he led the children of Israel through the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says that the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. I tell you that when we live meekly, the Lord blesses and I think rewards with our submission and humility to him. Another important figure, the most important of all, Jesus Christ was described as being meek. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, the Lord Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew chapter 21, verse 5 says, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the fault. Of an ass. Demonstrating that meekness, of course, is a spiritual character, a spiritual character trait that God blesses us to have. It's a character trait that God possesses and has given to you and to me in the new birth. Jesus showed great meekness and that we are also commanded to learn from him so that we might find rest for our souls. So his meek nature is something that he gives to us and that we ought to live according to as well. We see that meekness is not just good for Christian living, but it's also good to be found in our leaders. Think about that. Moses, who led the children of Israel, was a meek man. Jesus Christ, who shepherds his children and leads us in this life, is meek in his character. So meekness ought to be a virtue that we look for in our leaders. But how often do we see that demonstrated 
in our world today, in our politicians and the folks who are seeking to run our country or our state or our local communities? Do we see the meekness in them? Well, too often it's never embraced but rather rejected. That's because we live in a world that celebrates pride and scoffs at humility. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5 says, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Once again, we see instruction for us not to embrace pride, but rather to reject pride and to submit ourselves unto who? Not just unto God, but in submission unto God, we also submit and subject ourselves to one another. It's part of being in the household of faith is that we look to the people who we are worshiping with and who we are sojourning in this world together with. And we think to ourselves, I, I value them more greatly than myself. In fact, I'm their servant. And if each of us did this, wouldn't it be such a wonderful church family to come into? Wouldn't it be so welcoming whenever it is that folks are doing their best to try to serve each and every person who comes in into their presence? How difficult would it be to allow someone to insult you publicly? Like I said, we've, we live in a world that celebrates pride and scoffs at humility, have you considered what your response would be if someone wanted to insult you publicly? Perhaps someone has attempted to insult your intelligence or laugh at you because they think you are incapable of achieving some accomplishment. Well, I tell you that Jesus was insulted, he was mocked, he was scoffed, and he was publicly humiliated. Yet the scriptures tell us that he opened not his mouth. Why? Well, because he knew to respond and to fight back was not appropriate. It wasn't for him to perform vengeance and to retaliate. He committed himself to God. He committed himself to his Father. It wasn't the time for him to silence the false accusers and murderers. No, there's coming a day of vengeance when he will return and those that pierced him will look upon him, and he will execute judgment then at that time. Uh, but he puts all things into his Father's hands, and he would not be provoked. Think about that. What great restraint uh, that would require of us to do something like that. Yet, this is the model that we have for us. This is how we ought to live. This is our example. Jesus wasn't concerned with how others perceived him, he was intent on doing his father's will. He cared only what his father thought of him. Now those are personal attacks. Those were people spitting in his face, pulling the hairs of his face off and out of his skin, smiting him, casting lots for his garments and rending them. He was bared and shamed upon a cross of cruelty, yet he opened not his mouth. 
Today we are taught that if we don't fight back against personal attacks, we will be perceived as weak. Some things that Jesus Christ made clear is that personal attacks were left for the Father to handle. But Jesus' death was not an act of weakness. Actually, it was an act of defense on behalf of his bride, the church. As our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus defends and provides for us. This is clear that we have a responsibility to defend those that we care about, as Jesus has set an example for us. That's what his death on the cross was about. He was defending us and protecting his people. He died in their room instead and has redeemed us, has accomplished that. That's how we understand grace to be, is that Christ paid all of our sin debt that we owed and has redeemed us unto God all by his merit, by his grace. And so this is a defense for his children. This is how he protects us. This is just one of the ways, and this of course in the eternal sense, but he does it on a daily basis as well. And Jesus keeps his dear children close to him. He loves us and would do whatever it took to secure us in salvation as well as to provide for us in our daily needs. The Lord sees us and he cares. So this is an excellent model for Christians to also imitate because, of course, Christ is the perfect picture. It's not to elevate our ego, no, but rather it's to submit ourselves to God and one another, regardless of how the world reacts to that. When husbands and wives take such an approach of meekness in marriage, how much happier will they be? Well, I'll submit to you that in meekness, if we approach disagreements and hardships, trials in our marriages, then we will see God working also to help us in that. Why? Because once again, He resists the proud. How many arguments are there fought between husbands and wives because of pride? Because someone unwilling to back down from their word or from their claim uh, gets deeper and deeper into hostility between themselves. And when we submit to one another, being the first one to say, you know what, I'm sorry for how I've offended you or how I hurt you. I'm, I'm sorry that we've even escalated to this point. I want to do whatever it takes to make things right and to see healing between us. Uh, my friends, that's exactly how a marriage ought to be and how Jesus forgives us over and over again for our many faults and failures. Think of how many friendships are lost and how many battles on social media are fought or how many Christians are turned off by our self-centered pride and vain ego. I think we've repelled a lot of folks through the years by thinking that what we're doing online it doesn't really matter or is just a few comments, but then it escalates into an online social media battle where we don't think about how all this is out in the public for everyone to see, and it turns people off, or it hurts friendships. These battles that we fight oftentimes are fought over pride. When we 
think that we're in a debate with someone, are we really trying to convince them of truth? Or is it that we are really trying to promote our own ego? To be correct or to be right. That's no reason really for us to debate. How tempting is it for us to jump in the middle of someone else's debate just to show our own intelligence or allow for others to see that we have something to say? Well, that's vanity as well. Most of the time we'd do well just to keep silent. You see, meekness requires for us to know how to handle relationships. Meekness helps us in that. Christians should be ready to, to defend God's Word, His church, or our families and loved ones. Even still, we face these fights with humility. If we have to defend, let's do so with meekness, wisdom, discernment, charity, and grace. We really need to know when to pick our battles. We must use wisdom and discernment to know when to speak and when not to speak. In James chapter 1, verses 19-20, through 20, It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You see, because it is God's job, if you will, to work wrath. It's His position of authority from which He will execute judgment. It's not for us to do this. God has not perhaps given us the sword of vengeance to execute upon others, unless it is that we're some governor or a president, the chief executive. No, if we're Christians in just a lowly position of life or an everyday position of life, whatever it might be, your friends, we're called to be Christians who bear wisdom and discernment and who also use meekness in everyday life, especially when it comes to defending those that we love and choosing those battles. Sometimes we can get ourselves into seemingly endless arguments where nothing is proved except that we look foolish and perhaps have already cast our pearls before swine when we try to defend the truth, the people who just simply are out to argue and don't care really about anything we have to say. So. We need to choose. We need to be careful. We need to have wisdom and discernment. We need to use restraint. And I tell you, all these things fall under the category of meekness. Christ, our meek Savior, has granted forgiveness. And so we need to remember this as well. In terms of relationships, are we forgiving others who have trespassed or have offended us in some way? Even upon the cross, while Jesus was being crucified, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. So an act of meekness, when perhaps we would have been inclined to have screamed and cursed at people who had just nailed us to the cross, we find that Jesus is acting meekly. Forgiveness is an act of humility, but asking for forgiveness even more so. You know, it humbles us to forgive someone, doesn't it? To realize, you know what? I was hurt by that. I was offended. This did become a problem. And and I, now that you have asked for forgiveness, I'm willing to grant that forgiveness. And I should forgive you for what you've done. I should grant that forgiveness. But what about asking for forgiveness? Is that not 
more difficult for us? Once again, it's a pride that we have to get over, an ego that we must eliminate. That's all part of the flesh. That's part of us, uh, the, this human nature that we possess. It's something that we must overcome in order to live in this gospel way. The meek person sees himself as having no place within himself to harbor hateful feelings since he already perceives himself as not being greater than others. So having a low view of yourself allows for us to see that I have no room or authority to harbor any animosity or bitterness. I I can't hold a grudge because who am I to hold a grudge? This is a proper view that Christians should have and that we all should strive for. So these characteristics make clear that one is not born meek by human nature, as we've already said, but rather is made meek in regeneration. Meekness isn't a gift that you ask for, but it is a gift that every child of God possesses. But we must choose to use it. So as we started out asking, when's the last time we thought to ourselves, I could be more meek? When, when it, it was the last time that we thought to ourselves, you know what, I should, I should act and behave more meekly. Well, I tell you, we have the opportunity at any point in time to appeal to that meek nature that God has given to us in the new creation. And we should live by that. The 37th Psalm, verse 11, says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Jesus repeats the same by saying in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There are blessings that come to us when it is that we respond with meekness rather than pride, ego, self-centeredness, self-righteousness. Because the Lord sees such who are of a meek and humble spirit, and He blesses them. Why? Because... Well, it's part of living in the Spirit of God. The Word of God tells us that when we live according to the Spirit, we shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. When we sow into that Spirit, we reap things that are expected when we get to heaven. We also can freely enjoy some of those things here and now. Isn't that wonderful to think about? That's heaven truly coming down when we live according to the Spirit. I want everyone who listens to this to understand that although we see these things written to us in the scriptures of God for keys to an abundant life, how it is that Jesus Christ came to give life, we know that life is eternal life, but then life more abundantly, right? We understand that that abundant part of the life doesn't mean that we are free of problems and living in an abundant life means that we are going to avoid any hardships or trials. It doesn't mean that we're just going to all of a sudden start having plenteousness in every aspect of our life where we dwell richly in wealth and in material things. That all of a sudden just the genie of the lamp comes out and grants us all the wishes that we want. No, that's not how this works. I don't want anyone who listens to this to be deceived. It's not all perfect and just right. It's not all as you would want in the flesh, but rather this is part of discipleship. 
and to live abundantly means to enjoy the things that God has given to us, to see that there is plenteousness here in the kingdom of God, and to enjoy the things that God would have us to enjoy, such as love, joy, peace, patience, the fruit of the Spirit. These things are part of God's gifts to us that we ought to exhibit and to be able to enjoy them also. So to live meekly is a blessing to not only to others around us, believe me, it would be, we'd love it, we'd all enjoy seeing a life and seeing a world where people behaved more humbly and removed pride and were not so self-centered. But it's also a blessing for us who exhibit such and who decide, I'm going to crucify that flesh. I'm going to mortify the deeds of the body. And I'm going to live according to the Spirit and take on a spirit of humility and meekness. So when Jesus says that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, well, it's because the Lord has blessed us to be meek. And when we exhibit that, I hope that we'll also think to ourselves, though this is pretty sweet here, you know, there is a world to come, a new heavens, a new earth. And I believe that's the earth that he's telling us here that we shall inherit, is the blessing of Jesus Christ by his amazing grace. So meekness isn't something that we one day don't have, ask to have it, and then are granted it. But rather, it's something that the child of God already possesses and just simply needs to use, like a tool, like an instrument of praise unto God. Finally, the Lord blesses the meek and humble in wonderful ways. So listen to some of these verses of promise that we read here. One is here in Psalm chapter 25, verse 9. It says, The meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek will he teach his way. Isn't that interesting? That the Lord promises that when we behave meekly, uh, and also the, the fact that we are described as being meek, right? Because it is that we have been made such by God. Now let's use it. But he says, I will guide the meek in judgment. And we need that. Who here would not say that... Uh, that would say that I don't need judgment, a good judgment. I know I do. And how about the meek he will teach his way? Well, it's because what we tend to see is that when people act uh, prideful and arrogant, they become unteachable. A meek and humble person is someone whom God can work with. Submitting ourselves to, to God, submitting ourselves to the preaching of the gospel by the pastor and the teacher, submitting ourselves to our elders who have important lessons to teach us that we can learn from them. When we submit to them, friends, it's a blessing to us so as to receive from them instruction that will truly help us and counsel us in great times of need while walking in this life. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. 
Isaiah 61 is telling us here that the Spirit of God is, it was preaching through uh, the, the, the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was meant to come to those who are meek. Well, that's a, a blessing. We receive this gospel with an open heart when we come meekly to hear the Word of God proclaimed. When we open up our scriptures and submit to God in prayer, saying, Lord, I don't know what uh, to, to learn or where to gather this information from other than from you, Lord, so please pour it out to me. I submit to you and humbly ask for food at this moment and in this time from your holy Word. Finally, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Now, this verse isn't using the word meek here, but it is using the word humble, which is part of meekness. And it's so important for us to remember humility. And here it's telling us that honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Well, we see where pride gets us. It gets us nowhere but being made low, which is where we ought to choose to be. Not because we've been brought low, but because we've made ourselves low through humility. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Well, that's not just any honor. That's not man's honor. Rather, that's the honor that God gives. And that's a good thing. So we see the promises that the Lord blesses to us, gives to us, when it is that we choose to live according to meekness rather than pride, self-centeredness, and egotism. Finally, I hope that we're able to see that through meek living, God is glorified and that we're also made to serve one another in service of our great and mighty God through meek living. Thank you for tuning in to Abundant Life Podcasts. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. I would like to thank you for joining us for today's podcast. The Abundant Life Podcast is a ministry of Elder Ben Cordes, pastor of the Lexington Primitive Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. You can contact me by email. My address is pastor at lexpbc.org. Or, if you're in the area, come worship with us at Lexington Primitive Baptist Church, 4574 Old Schoolhouse Lane, Lexington, Kentucky, 40513. You may also visit our website at lexpbc.org.